My TV broke in a weird way. The screen just doesn't turn on. I mean, the screen turns on, you get the flash of the logo. It's an LG. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it immediately goes off, but there's still sound coming through it and everything. So everything still works. It's just the screen is not showing up. I don't think it's a backlight issue because it does flash the logo. Mm. And everything I read is that um, the way the TV starts up in its startup mode is it does turn on the LEDs when it first starts up to kind of get them to warm up. And then it runs a system check on the voltage. And so my suspicion is that one of the one or many capacitors are broken or dead. Yeah. And so it's, it's letting a larger voltage through. And when the system checks itself, it goes, oh, let's yep. turn this off. Do TVs have like error codes <clears throat> like, that they output? Or Well, that's what I thought I saw because I would turn it on. And so there's a little LED at the bottom, and it would it's red when it's off, and I think or red when it's on, something like that. And it would when that happens, it would flash at least twice, maybe two or three times. Um, but I couldn't confirm whether or not that was a proper error code or not. But yeah. everyone's. I mean, how old is your TV? Mm, four years, maybe. It's not that old. I mean, it's a it's an LG, uh, I think fifty inch, 1080p. It's not even 4K. Yeah, I was going to say, it's probably not even worth fixing either, or paying someone to fix. You might as well just get it. So you, anyway, so you, you're looking at new TVs? Is that what you said? Yeah, so that forced me to look at new TVs. So I kind of punted. I bought mm. I bought a 4K LG. I like the LG brand, and I like their, their screen. So I'm, well, I wasn't burned on LG. I wasn't like, oh, screw it. This one broke. I'm not going to get LG. Um, so I didn't end up replacing it with just like a really, <laughs> one of their older 4K models. So it's, it's just going to be the same size, but it's going to have 4K. That's about it. It's the only difference. Um, but yeah, I was, I, I, at the time I was like, oh, maybe I'll go and find my dream TV. <laughs> um, that was very disheartening because I don't have four or 10 grand to spend on a TV. Okay. So I think there's a problem right now and I'm, I'm, I don't follow TVs that much and I wish I would have, um, done some more research, but I decided to buy a new TV for like our family room. Yeah, because you still have the projection TV, the rear projection. I do, and, and actually, I, I moved that upstairs to the game room because I bought a new TV for the family room. Jeez, you 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 Hulk, you. How'd you get that thing up there? Uh, Sarah and I just, it's actually not that heavy. Isn't it? Yeah. Uh. I think I think my new TV, the LCD is heavier, or LED, LCD. Really? Yeah. It just looks huge. It's, it's got that yeah, huge cabinet uh, around it. Well, yeah, you couldn't, you couldn't, the way it was positioned in that cubby area, like, you couldn't even see it. I mean, most people didn't even know it was a projection. But anyway, that, that. People have always said this, but now I really realize what a great TV that is. Mm. Glad I kept it. And because here, here's the thing, I replaced it with Vizio's top of the line, basically. It's the P-Series, which is their top of the line. And it has, you know, the, some of the best contrast ratios. It's got the array of LEDs for backlights. Mm-hmm. And it also supports the local dimming. So it can actually, it'll dim some of those backlights if they're like in a, a, like a black part of a scene or whatever. Um, and it gets really good. That's number one. I didn't bump it, did I? Yeah, you bumped in something. I coughed. I know, your right arm. Anyway, um, it, it, so what was I going to say? Yeah, it has the local dimming. What else? It gets really good reviews. I mean, I read a lot of the reviews. <laughs> I mean, compared to like most other TVs, I mean, yeah. it reads pretty high overall. And here's the problem. So first of all, the local dimming is absolute garbage. Um, when you, like, here's an example. Like, uh, when the TV is like, let's say, because it's a smart, all TVs are smart TVs now. So when you're, when yeah, you no. go to the screen where it's like going to load all the apps, it's like there's a spinner for a minute. Mm-hmm. And you can see it just constantly like dimming the area where the spinner is not active. Oh, that's so be you see annoying. the spinner spinning, but the whole, it's like this glow that's wrapping around it. I mean, you can, you can look online, p- people do these tests where there's actually a specific test, like a round ball that's moving around the screen. 
that, uh, then it uh, changes sizes as mm-hmm. slowly also. And you can see these TVs that it's a test for local dimming to see how much, but they, I mean, it just, it's like a, a wide ball on a black background, but it looks like it's just totally, they call it, I think ghosting or there's some word for it where it's just glowing. It should be just a w- stark white ball on a black background. No, it's glowing mm. because the TV has dimmed everything except for what's around that object. But the dimming is, I mean, the, there's only like 150 zones or whatever. And on a big, t- this is a 75 inch TV. I mean, it just, it's local dimming is garbage. You, I have it completely turned off. So I was going to ask useless. if you could turn it off. Yeah, you can yeah. turn it off. The bigger problem I have that I can't get rid of is also because of because it's got the array of LEDs. Mm-hmm. Which again, it's supposed to be much better than Edgelet. Edgelet has its own problems, which I'm not that familiar with because I've never owned an Edgelet LCD TV, yeah. LED TV. Yeah, I guess they're LED lit. Anyway, um, but I have like any, and you really can tell on number one panning scenes, um, but also. Um, just like scenes where like you have a light background, like a, like, let's say you're looking at an ad, an Apple ad. Mm-hmm. I noticed this the other day, an Apple ad runs at the very end of the ad. The last scene is just the black Apple logo on a white background. And you can see just these vertical, about a dozen vertical bars is what it looks like. You, oh, that'd be annoying. Yep. Yeah. And it's just like, and I can't not see it. And I've even asked some people, I'm like, hey, can you see that? And some people are like, I can't really see it. And some people are like, oh, I kind of see it, but it just, it bothers the shit. Out of me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and then and now I realize that I mean that <clears throat> that projection TV now was only first of all it's ten year old TV, the rear projection. No, yeah, rear projection. Yeah. Um but it's DLP, which I, turns out is a great technology. The only problem, the only defects it has that DLP didn't have because it's projection is you, number one, there's oh there's some overscan. So it's, it's not good for like if you're gonna run a computer off of it. Mm-hmm. Because you can't you don't see the edges, the edges of the screen are kind of like projected. It has to project them a little bit past the edge so that you don't actually have um, so the image doesn't take up the whole width of the screen. Right. So the only thing that you can, the basic thing, the thing you have to do is just uh, project a little bit past it so that you have some overscan. So like you can't see the menu bar like a Mac on Mac OS or whatever. Oh, yeah. Um, and there's also, there's towards the edge, there's a little bit of geometric distortion. So if you drew a line that went like all the way across the screen, right towards the edge, it would, it would start to dip a little bit. But that was really minor compared to what I'm dealing with with these LCD TVs nowadays. Yeah, just so like, LCD, LCD is really the problem is it's not a great technology and they're doing all these weird funky things local dimming which is garbage and all this other stuff to, and and the matrix leds to try to to try to make it better but the yeah. problem is, is it sucks and really i should have just waited and bought an oled tv the problem with oled especially if you want to fill my tv spot which is can fit a 75 80 price, TV. Yeah. it's just like yeah six to ten thousand dollars or something yeah. like that for that for that size <clears throat> so yeah. i don't know i mean i'm I bought it from Costco, so I can, re- even though it's been past 30 days, I mean, I can return it any time, but I don't know, even know how that would work. I'm mean, just like, oh, maybe I should just keep it. I mean, real, it was it was like, I think I got it for like 1200 or something for a 75-inch TV. That seems really cheap, I mean, nowadays. I, mean, I think I paid no, much more. I went more. cheaper than that. I think I spent 400 bucks on my new TV. Yeah, but it was 550 <laughs> inches. I mean, the, the price goes up exponentially with size. Yeah, it's just a 50-inch, yeah. yeah. And my, my living room's not that big, so I don't need a huge TV. And that, I think that's another thing that people mess up when they, when they get TVs. First of all, they hang it too high because they hang it above their freaking fireplace. You see where my TV is, right? Yeah. It's right at eye level. Yeah, it's right at eye level. You, you want it at eye level or just maybe a smidge above eye level? Yeah. Right now, mine's a little bit higher, but once I build out the area where it's going to officially be, it's going to be a little bit lower. Yeah. But A, you know, people put their TVs way too high. And then two, um, oh, what was my second point? Too high. Put them in too high. Um, did you say it? I don't remember what are people. Oh, they're people too make? big. Yeah, they're they're oh. they're too big. They have they have a room size and they have this gigantic like uh, theater size TV and it's just 
it's too big. Yeah. I mean, I, in my, not my family room is not big. No, yours is fine. But I, but I do like having that 75 inch. I, I never have ever thought mm, that TV's a little bit too big. I've never thought that ever. <laughs> I, I'm probably in the, in the minority on that one. Most people probably have never met a TV that was too big, but I, I, I find TVs that are too big a bit annoying. I feel like I can't really watch. I, I, I get fatigued. I feel like I'm having to focus in different parts of the screen because it's so big. I'm not able to just kind of sit and, and enjoy the entire scene. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyways, it was a bit of a wake-up call just to see how little difference there were between all these top TV manufacturers and just the, the overhype of every little feature they tried to make out as, as being the next yeah. biggest best thing. And they wanted to charge you an extra two grand for that next biggest yeah. thing. And yeah. I, just, I just couldn't do it. I mean, there's things I like about this TV. I mean, even without the local dimming, it's got really, it's got pretty good contrast ratio. I mean, the blacks are pretty damn black. Yeah, yeah. everyone's talking about contrast ratio. I'm, just, I'm like, I'm not. I'm important. Not, I'm I mean, not, well, let me I tell you. I don't know that I'm that big of a okay. video file. I just. So, so contrast, I would say only pay attention to contrast ratio if you watch, if you like to watch movies in the, in basically in a dark, in a dark room, like a theater setting. Yeah, we don't. Because then the, like, what should be true black, you're, you're really going to see that, oh, shit, that's not black. I mean, you could put a completely black screen up, mm-hmm. uh, like a scene that's 100% black, and it's it, in a very dark room. It's still going to light your room up. It's going to light your room. That's how not black it is. Yeah, no, I'm okay with it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I kind of am, too. I don't obsess about – I don't – in fact, I don't – I don't, I don't obsess about the contrast ratio near enough to be able to suffer through that local dimming. That's garbage. Yeah, and that, I, that's and the I, other thing. I care I didn't, much more about these vertical bars I have than yeah. about contrast ratio. Yeah, and that was another thing. I didn't want a smart TV. I just wanted a TV that had a screen. I'll plug whatever I want into it. You can't not get a smart TV, though. I know. Right? I don't yeah. want your stupid right. apps feature. And I have my Roku plugged in, even though that, you know, Vizio has all these apps and stuff. And Vizio's, I think Vizio's smart TV is one of the worst ones out there. Um, it's just slow, like the menu navigating through. I mean, it's got it's got all all the pretty much well, think, all the apps you'd want. I think the rumor is that um, I think it's a Samsung that Samsung's coming out with a TV that's got Apple TV embedded in it. Um, so Apple just announced a couple of weeks ago that they are opening up. Yeah, Apple. Um, what was it that Apple TV will run? Is that right? Am I right about this? Apple t- is it not a- not Apple TV. Is that right yeah, about that Apple TV, Apple TV will run on the smart some of these smart TVs? Yeah. Okay. Because Roku's already been doing that. So there's, you can get some TVs that their smart system is Roku. And so now you're going to start getting seeing some from Apple. Um, yeah, and Roku's pretty good. I mean, they, they seem to be leading the pack. They've been in the news a ton in the past couple of months. Um, they, they just got Sling. What else did they get? They're getting Apple. Oh, and they also have, they have this thing called the, the Roku. Not, they're not Roku channels. That's, that's a different thing. But the Roku channel. Uh-huh. And it's basically, it's like their own guide like if you were on like on a cable or satellite box uh-huh. but it brings in content from all these different sources i think like hbo and a bunch of these other i think direct tv maybe even have signed up for this so you can you can buy you know your direct tv and then you can buy you know i don't know like content from these different you can buy hulu and netflix and all these different things and they'll plug into the roku channel and so you have the, basically it's like a universal guide a, right a, a combined guide. <clears throat> That's like to me the biggest problem with these with these. What are they called? The devices, the TV devices, the Roku's and Playstations and the um, what else is there? Fire Stick, Apple TV, whatever those things are called. Set top yeah, boxes nowadays? No. Appliance? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what they call them, but 
But uh, yeah, I mean, Roku seems to lead that. You know, but but the UI for Roku is it's still it's it's okay. It's it's not slow. That's good, but it's still pretty damn basic. And mm. I was over at a friend's house, and he's got PlayStation View, which is the, a service, not a device. It's it's a it's yeah. like a TV replacement service, kind of like Directv Now or whatever. Right. And it was running on Apple TV, and that guide was so awesome. He's like flipping through like times uh, through one dimension and, and channels to the other dimension, you know, and it's, it's real. I mean, the animation is just like butter. It's so amazing. Like, wow, that is like super smooth. It's crazy how smooth it was. Well, it was built for PlayStation. So I'm like, <laughs> well, but also it's running on Apple TV, which is obviously, you know, it's got. Some well, it is, but I mean, Apple TV in terms of hardware specs is, is pretty up there. And obviously the PlayStation is pretty up there in terms of specs. So a lot of these other, these other players, they try to fit so much. No, I mean, like it's not PlayStation. It's just a PlayStation View service running right, on Apple TV. Right, but PlayStation View runs on PlayStation. Sure. I, I wonder, actually, I'd like to see a comparison. PlayStation View running on the different devices that it supports oh, yeah. and seeing if there's a difference. Yeah, maybe. I mean, this just look, looked, this looks so smooth. I'm like, wow, that is... I mean, Ooh, especially compare it to these crappy cable systems and the yeah. software they put on their box. It's, it's, it's like it, a different it's, generation. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I, I can't stand those boxes. I'm ready for them to go away. Um, Hulu's got a really nice interface, I think. Um, did you? What'd you say? Hulu. You just said that weird. Hulu. 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 <laughs> you don't watch uh, Silicon Valley, do you? Hulu. I need to. Yeah, I know you, you keep you telling totally me. Do. Yeah, it's. But um. You can't, I don't know. Can't, I've yeah. I've been I've been I've been wanting to cable cut for a while, but my my family just won't let me. Um, but I've, I think it seems like it's really reasonable nowadays. I mean, this between the content that they're already watching, your kids are watching stuff on their devices already anyway. Right? Yeah, but they're watching on their devices because we have the login to our cable company. But you, but that'd be fine. So they'd have the well, I mean, well, they'd have the Directv Now or whatever is on their on their on their iPad Spectrum. But yeah, no, no, no. I'm saying you know you can get any, you can get Directv Now. You don't. I know you, you, you can get it's, it's you can get YouTube TV. Yeah, you can right. get Hulu mm-hmm. TV. You can get uh, Apple's supposed to be coming out with something soon. And, Actually, I think Apple partnered with Spectrum. I think, and they're supposed to. You're supposed to, be able to watch all your spectrum stuff on the Apple TV, so okay. I don't know. So I mean, yeah, just what the I mean, a few years ago it was it was a problem, especially if there because there were, I think all the kids stuff now, whether it's all like the all the Nickelodeon owned stuff. What is that Viacom? Who owns Nickelodeon? You know, this is a funny thing. You you really get to where you learn who owns what. You know, the big conglomerates because these different systems like YouTube TV and PlayStation View, like they make a deal with that conglomerate, and then they'll get all their channels. So you really have to kind of know. Oh, are they friendly with ABC? Oh, great. Then we get that, that and Disney and, and ESPN and all these things that ABC owns. Yeah. And then, oh, crap, they don't have a deal with CBS Viacom yet? Well, crap, that sucks because then that means we can't get all these other 15 channels. Who wants MTV anyway, though? All right, we should probably talk about something I know. else. Yep. <laughs> Let's talk about Salesforce. Did we talk about the fact that they um, rebuilt their SDK? Did you see this? Uh, I think you're Did talking you about their mobile there? SDK, right? No, you added it on here, but I've I've heard about it. Well, there, yeah, I guess there's there's two things. I mean, the, the thing when I read, and now this is this is a couple of weeks ago. This I think this was announced, but I guess apparently Apple has this on their site, and they even it was on the on the on the developer site, whatever it's called, the Con- Apple Connector. Mm-hmm. What's the developer site called? Connect. Uh, anyway, when you log in as like when you know as an Apple developer, and they're and they're distributing it, mm-hmm. like you can get it from Apple. I have a couple of questions about this one. Is this the same one that you get from Salesforce? It's just like both of them distribute it now. And also, um, the unless something's changed, the 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 mobile SDK supports uh, is a is 
Cordova. It's a mainly it's for deployment. It's a cross-platform thing. It includes support for Android. I, I can't imagine that Apple would uh, distribute something that was a Cordova product. I don't think it is. I thought they were. I thought. Uh, what do you mean? Why do you say that? <clears throat> because I thought their newest um, Salesforce mobile app went fully native on no, iOS. It's not. I thought it did. No. And, and no. And, and and the other thing is, this is not Salesforce's app. This is the SDK. And the SDK has always been Cordova. For Salesforce or yes, for Apple? Yes, the Salesforce mobile SDK has always been Cordova. And I'm telling you, I think, uh, I'll have to find it. And, and, but I'm pretty and, sure a couple months ago, and I thought I talked about it, that Apple, that I'm sorry, that Salesforce um, was rewriting their mobile app and it was going to be fully native. You're talking about you're talking about two different things. You're talking about Salesforce's mobile app yes. versus the Salesforce mobile SDK. Yes. That's fine if the Salesforce mobile app is going native. That has nothing to do with Salesforce mobile SDK, which is what partners and customers used to build Salesforce-connected mobile apps on. No, I agree. Okay. What I'm saying is they're two different things, but I think they, they're they both birthed from the same world. Salesforce created their app on, built on Cordo, Cord, 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 Cordova. I guess what I'm saying is, is the technology is evolving. They found a way to make it more, more native and provide an SDK that allowed you to do more native stuff, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Anyway, um, I, I don't think there's any way in, at all that Salesforce could remove Cordova from their mobile SDK because so many customers have stuff that they built that with that they need to run on Android and iOS, and Salesforce is just going to be like, oh, no more Android. No, I, in think, fact, I think it's fine. I think you yeah. can, you'll have an option to say, okay, I'm going to build this on Cordova. It's going to be this cross-platform app, or I'm going to build for iOS, and it's going to be this native with you know all the performance gains you get from that. No, you're wrong. How am I wrong? It's not the way it works. The mobile SDK, because they'd have to completely throw away their mobile SDK and replace it with something new that's completely iOS, and that's not what it is. Well, if you're using your, your package manager, you just swap in the, the, the native SDK for the other one to SDK, and you're good, right? Oh, yeah, exactly. Software, that's why software is so easy. It is. It's all modular. All right. That's the way it works. <clears throat> it's the world. Modules. All right, so the next thing is that uh, Salesforce is... Apparently, rumor, I guess, I don't know. <clears throat> Maybe it's not rumor. Wants to buy this company, Click Software. I saw that. I didn't read about it, so I need you to tell me about it. Well, I don't know much about it. I'd never heard of Click Software. Apparently, they're, they're like an Israeli startup, but although they had their headquarters supposedly in like Massachusetts or somewhere. They just track, track clicks? Are they but marketing no, company? They, um, they're like a field service thing. Field service? Really? Yeah. Let's see. So is there a gap in, in Salesforce's field service they're trying to plug? Field service management software. Hmm. I don't think there's a gap because number one, Salesforce built field service from scratch, right? That's my understanding. Even though they already had already had a really good partner in the space. What what are they called? Um, I wouldn't told you. You know who I'm talking you. about, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, they built their own, so there's there's two really good solutions already. Why would Salesforce go buy this company for again for like a, a billion or two billion dollars or whatever? Probably Why to buy customers. That? Ding ding ding! Where's my bell? <laughs> buy customers and to so buy and to buy revenue. Yeah. Trade some stock. You get another couple hundred million dollars in revenue. We got to keep growing, John. We yeah. got to we got to keep hitting that 30 percent or whatever. Hey, it's a, it's a winning strategy. Yeah. It's working. You bought MuleSoft. You bought the, which was which has it had you know half a billion dollars in revenue, half a billion, I think, something like that. By this company, they've got a couple hundred million. You can probably easily grow. You know, double that this year. That's so. There's another half a, half a billion dollars in revenue. You, I mean. Yeah, that's what my question is, has been on a lot of this growth. It's like, okay, yeah, I mean, their growth is don't get me wrong. Salesforce growth has been amazing, it's amazing, but they've also been buying a lot of growth. And I wonder if you just took out the, you know, is it 
again, because when you the, when you first ask or when you first think about it, like why would they even buy this? And you hit it, you nailed it, because they yeah. want customers, which is the same thing as saying they want the, they want the revenue out there they don't have. Yeah, digging into the market share there. Yeah. Have you have you followed this company Qualtrics at all? No, I've they, heard of it for were, some reason, but I don't. But I don't. I don't know what they do. So I, I don't want to say why I know about them. Well, oh, I know why I know about them because SAP just bought them about a month or two ago. But someone I know just went to work for them. I'm not going to say who. I'll tell you later. That was a survey thing. Well, kind of. I think that's a super, you know, diminutive way or reductive way to describe them. They do do surveys, but it's. I think it's like crazy, you know, you know, analytical stuff. Well, they got a conference coming up. They got Oprah and Sir Richard Branson. Yeah, I mean, you know, president, former president Barack Obama. Man, wow! I want to go to this thing. They got all the headliners here. Yeah, it sounds like they learned from Mark Benioff on how to throw a party. Get you got to get the politics in there and <laughs> pay all those pay all those fees. What does it What does it cost to get Obama to come give a speech? It's got to be. Well, Clinton was two fifty, I think, and Obama's more than that. Obama's a rock star, man. He's got to be at least four. Hillary's three hundred k. Obama's got to be five hundred. He's got to be five hundred. He might do some discounting if he likes you. You know, if you're, nah, he won't do any if discounting. You're, if, you're, if you're in the milieu, he'll give you a he's discount. He's not going to do any discounting. Nah, yeah, he will. If you're if you're on the if you're on the right team, you if you discount. want Obama, you play top dollar. If you're on the wrong team, you get charged double. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, no, I would I would just say keep your eye on Qualtrics. Mm-hmm. They they look interesting to me. So so why why did you bring them up? Are they I just thought of them. You just thought of them? Yep. <laughs> just randomly. Yep. <laughs> like this company popped in my head. Let's talk about them. Um yeah, they've got a pretty interesting thing. I'll have to look check them out and see what they do. And I may be able to get you like a discount. Okay. Because I am on the right team when it comes to Qualtrics. <laughs> <laughs> that is good to know. All right, um, what's next, John? Oh shoot. What's next in the rundown? We're trying to get organized. We're we're attempting this organization thing again. Yeah, it's not working. Well, the problem is maybe maybe I'm sabotaging it. Maybe I'm sabotaging you. Are oh you are? I don't want to. Son of a bitch, you're going to sabotage this. (laughs) But also, here's 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 the secret. I'm going to break the fourth wall here. We don't have anything to talk about today. That's very interesting. (laughs) I know we're we're really reaching here. Last week I had mentioned the the winter the uh, Salesforce going lightning like it's going to force everyone to go in lightning um i kind of said it in passing and I, when i re-listened to the episode uh which i do on occasion to make sure i didn't say something stupid which i did um i really didn't really spend much time on it and we really didn't talk about it but essentially um because this happened over in december so most people are off on vacations and not really paying attention but yeah salesforce is going to turn on lightning uh, automatically in winter 20 so that's October of next year, something like that, or this year, sorry. So so you're saying existing orgs that aren't a classic, they'll just come in one day, log in, and it's going to be lightning? Yeah, I'm going to read it the way it was written by uh, Mr. Gerholt uh, of uh, Button Click Admin. Does that still exist? I think it does. Does it? Okay. I don't know if he still hosts it, though. I think Jillian oh, speaking is of primary that, on it. Can now. I just quick uh, diversion tangent? Yeah, um, that's what we do. Another, another uh, fellow... You know, Salesforce ecosystem podcaster has gone to work for the mothership. Really? And I don't remember who it was. I feel like it was one of the wizard guys. Oh, okay. I, it, I mean, maybe it was a, maybe it was a cloud focus guy. I can't remember. Somebody told me that one of them. Well, when are we going to get hired? <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Just even the thought of that cracks me up. So, so the words are I mean, hey, everyone's got a prize, right? That they do. 
With that, they do. <laughs> so uh, Salesforce, uh, in- info at gooddaysirpodcast.com. <laughs> Uh, so, so Mr. Gearholt writes, Salesforce will turn on lightning sprints for all orgs on a rolling basis. When it's turned on, standard profile users and custom profile users with lightning experience user permission enabled will see the switch to lightning experience link in Salesforce Classic and be automatically switched into lightning experience on a regular basis. So I'm wondering if like, if you switch off and then you log yeah, back in, back. it's going to go back. But that's only um, if, so if you don't have that permission, then you're not, you won't see it. I guess not. So that's I, the, I guess that's an out okay. for, for orgs that are just absolutely stuck on classic they have a ton of customization and it just wouldn't work but. i mean the, the truth is is and, and as much as salesforce liked liked to say that oh, don't worry we're not forcing this on you we're gonna have multiple paths you know everything's gonna still work your page layouts and your visual force it's all fine don't worry um and, and it's such a weird thing because even if you're on if even if, even if you're all gung-ho lightning like you still have to switch back to classic for like Lots of different things, mm-hmm. campaign stuff, and tons of setup stuff, and it's more than a. I mean, I think I feel like they've attacked things in the right order, but there's still, you know, several lots of use cases where you got to go back to classic. Yeah, and even some of it is a bit of a punch. So you have like to, you, have you still I, have to use classic, but Salesforce is going to forcibly switch you to Lightning. <laughs> so just, man, I don't know. But the, you know, here's and here's here's the truth, and this is what I've been telling clients, is that, uh, you know, it, the. the the, the reality is, even you know, no matter how much you have invested in your, which some in some cases are millions of dollars in your classic Salesforce with all the visual force and all the button hacks and things that everyone does because you have to, you mm-hmm. had to. Um, you're going to get in a situation where you're going to hit the end of the road on that. You're going to run out of runway to switch to Lightning, and then you're going to be in a frantic emergency thing. Well, yeah, your boss is going to go to Dreamforce and see all the cool new stuff, and he's going to come back and say, "Why aren't we doing this?" <laughs> and, well, well, because the answer is you tell him, "Well, because we've spent you know three and a half million dollars in on what we have right now, and we have to basically throw that away." And really? the boss is like, "Oh, yeah, that's right. Keep on classic. Never mind." <laughs> I want that three and a half million dollar yeah. client. <laughs> Send them my way. I'll, I'll get them lightning ready. Yeah, I'm sure you will. <laughs> You'll just give them the that lightning permission so that it turns on automatically. <laughs> No, I'll, co- I'll code them some nice new lightning web components. How about that? <clears throat> I don't have this. All the, the new shiny. I don't have this. In, I need to add this. Let me add this to the list. I want to tell um, more stories about people who don't understand Salesforce development. Oh, nice. It's, it's like I'm gonna. I'm gonna this is going to be a, a weekly. This is going to be a weekly series for me. A segment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all for it. Yeah. All right, so so this is a bit of a throwaway. This is a bit of me kind of jabbing the community a bit. But I'm going to say this. You know how Mary Kay has cars that they give their top performers? They give them little Cadillacs. Yeah, pink Cadillacs. Yeah, well, Chevy is bringing back the uh, the Blazer, if you haven't heard. I Actually, there's a that. few car companies that are bringing stuff back. The Supra, the Toyota Supra is coming oh, back. Really? Um, and there was another one. You remember the Motorola Supra? Or was it Motorola? It was a modem called the Supra. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That was back in the but, uh, good old uh, 14.4K modem days. Oh, the Bronco. The Bronco's coming back too, apparently. Okay, I knew. I, did I know about both of those? I think I did, yeah. Yeah, so uh, Supra, Bronco, and then the Blazer's coming back. Now, the Blazer, when it first came out, and I did some research on this, um, it had a Trailblazer uh, uh, trim kit. Oh, did Salesforce sue them for that? And then and then <laughs> apparently it was popular enough that, that the bigger version of the Blazer ended up becoming called the Trailblazer. Uh-oh. So my theory, Uh-oh. my thought is, or my recommendation is a Salesforce, for all your top performing MVPs, you should give them Blazers or Trailblazers. I think I have a sound clip for that. Yeah? 
So we can all drive around in our, our Salesforce uh, blazers. Oh, yeah. I'm, you know what? Mary Kay, you're right. I think that's – now you're tying it back here. Sales, uh, Mary Kay has their pink Cadillacs. Salesforce should have their Chevy yeah, Trailblazers. They right? should. <laughs> oh, gosh. I wouldn't put it past them. Both, uh, both communities are fanatical, aren't they? Well, it, is, it, is it an all-electric car? Because if not, I can't – you know, Salesforce is way too progressive to have anything that you put oh, gasoline in. That's right? true. That, that killed it right there. <clears throat> yeah. That's not going to happen. No. It's going to be a gas guzzling freaking SUV. <laughs> it's true. Although, you know, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm, our, our options on battery cars aren't great is the problem, but I, I'd be all for, I'm, I'm a perfect candidate. I'd, I think there's a lot of misinformation and, and fear mongering with, with electric cars, but I think there's a lot of, well, they're just, they're not built well I, and well, they're too expensive still. Yeah. I think that, I think it's two sides of it. There's a lot of misinformation and there's a lot of overhype. And so trying to come up to, to be pragmatic about it in the middle takes a lot of research and thought to decide whether or not it's right for you. Because there's so many people saying, well, if you care about the environment, you'll get electric. And the other people saying, well, if you care about the environment, your, your electric is coming from a, from a coal plant. Exactly. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, not, it's not that easy. And anyone that tries to reduce it down to something like that and then yeah. hit you over the head with it is, in, is a butthole. And then there's, there's issues of features and range anxiety and all that kind also, of stuff. I mean, and again, the, my, my comment about, you know, they're not built well. I mean, mainly referring to Tesla. And I mean, have you followed in the past year or so just the nightmare stories yeah. about Quality issues and then just and not being able to get. I mean, Tesla just is simply not that they don't have the capacity to service their customers correctly. Well, not only that, sometimes they restrict it. I, I've seen some people who have taken um, Teslas and rebuilt them or just, you know, that were yeah. junked and rebuilt them and got them back up and they couldn't even get updated software for it and things like that. Yeah. yeah and you know, the stories about how, you know, that we've heard of the past year about how Tesla several points was like, I mean, right on the verge of bankruptcy. But then they rush all these cars out, collect the money, cash the checks. Well, I mean, I think also how they got away with that, how they how they skimmed by and didn't die was by cutting other areas. Yeah. I think customer service is one of them. I mean, I've heard some really bad stories. I mean, there's a and it's not just like one, it's not like anecdotes. I mean, there's just there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people who have had these horrible experiences. And I'm just like, no, nope, not gonna do it. I'll not yet. I mean, like I said, I'm 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 a I think I'm a pretty good candidate and I'm I'm interested I'm following it but it's it's not ready yet not for yeah. me. Well, I've been uh, I've I've had a chance to to use the new flow designer. I saw you doing some yeah flow the other day. This yeah. is the new one. If that's out, I guess. so it's not it's not based on Flash anymore. No, <laughs> the the, mo- the modern technology known as Flash. It might only be in a sandbox <laughs> only, and I, I think that's the case. It's a pre-release sandbox work, but I think the way they. The the new flow designer, from what I understand, is just a new skin at this point. And so all of your, I guess when I went into the flow that already existed, it, it pretty much was using the new UI, which is fine because I didn't want to have to install Flash. Um, it's cleaner. It's a little more, uh, it's easier to understand to me. It, 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 the, whenever you get into a dialogue, now it's 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 got a, it's got a, dialogue, a dialogue with a scrolling kind of form in it. Um, the old one was really weird. He had all these tabs and he had all these little list boxes, S3. And it was just really hard to navigate and understand what was where and where went where. It was just, it was just kind of old and clunky and full of just crap. And they, I think they bought that. It wasn't, it was not built internally. No, no, it was something they acquired. But, um, so this one is, it's, it's pretty much the same, but it's organized better. So it's got the lightning UI, of course, and the graphics are a little bit better and you don't, you're not relying on flash. It's still missing a lot of features like auto layout features and things like that that would be really nice. 
And I used to have to manually position everything and try to make sense of it. Um, but it works pretty well. It's clean. Um, I haven't had any issues using it. Um, really? Yeah. Oh, that's impressive. It's just, you're still left with the current limitations of flow, which is, it's just, it's very limited in what it can do. Uh, most of this, the, the stuff I've been doing now is kind of headless flows. So there's really no UI to it, but it's just a lot of just logic because this is a professional edition org and can't write code. So you got to use a flow yeah, and process builder. Interesting. interesting. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's interesting. To, of course, yeah, I don't know. It com, com, comes down to money. And again, Salesforce is, is not cheap, right? So I, I was originally thinking like, okay, you know, a company that ha- has the kind of problems that you need to do stuff like flow, headless flows for, mm-hmm. like why don't they just buy Enterprise? But then I'm like, oh, well, that, that could actually be... Because this client's not sure if they still want to use Salesforce. Oh, is that what it is? <laughs> so they want to minimize their investment. Yeah. They, and, well, and it's not that they want to go to another CRM. It's that they they're they're toying with the idea of either keeping Salesforce and making it work for them, or going to an industry specific product to manage the things they need to manage. Yeah. yeah. And that, that goes back to also, I mean, this I know it's a double edged sword for Salesforce, but that that whole like you know, oh, you want to get, get Enterprise Edition for some of the people in your company? Okay, well. How can we lock you into a three-year contract? You know, and, and they want to know how many users you have, and you have to buy them pretty much buy them all up front. I mean, you can adjust; it's hard to adjust. It's not like you can go into your your license or your billing settings in Salesforce and change. Oh, yeah, I want to slide enterprise users up about five users. I want, to, I want to dial down platform users and whatever. Like, no, there's none of that. You you call your rep, your your AE, and you sign a contract, right? And that's that's and that is how, that what that is what creates deferred revenue. You know, AWS doesn't have deferred revenue. They don't. They don't. I mean, because there's exceptions on you can like you can if you're huge you can you can enter into a like an agreement right mm-hmm. for future stuff. But in general, I mean, like, probably ninety five percent of AWS, GCP, Azure, whatever, it's just monthly. You pay for what you use. It's a monthly charge. So there is, there is no deferred revenue. Every you know when when you get your invoice and you and they bill you for it. That is revenue that was earned, collected, earned and collected. Yeah, it's money in the bank. So the, I mean, that's why because it, because it'd be great with clients like that. Oh well, let's just flip you, let's just flip you over to enterprise here, and we'll you know build this with some triggers and the, whatever the, the right tools. And if you like it, we'll go for it. If not, we'll just uh, we'll, we'll turn it off. We won't get billed anymore. I mean, that just doesn't exist. Well, right, the right, right. The Am right I right? Tool, oh, yeah, you're right. Okay. The right tools matter though. Well, they do because the problem is now you're you're building this in PE grade stuff, and it pre- it prevents it's that's a growth problem now. It it's it caps. They're gonna have a you fall off that cliff of well, this is all you can do, and if you want to take the next step, you have to cross this chasm. <laughs> yeah, to get there. Yeah, meaning, so meaning I, throw away pretty much everything we built for you and built and rebuild it on the right using the right tools this time. Yeah. Well, it got ugly enough that I, I, I hate to say this, but I had to do two queries in a loop. Two queries in a loop? Mm-hmm. So like for every iteration in the loop, you're doing two queries? Yeah. Well, when you do what you got to do, right? Yeah. I mean, at least, you, at least you know what you're doing and you know why it's bad and mm-hmm. you are making a calculated decision to do something that, that makes your, your hair stand up on the back of your neck. Yeah. I just hope my name's nowhere on it, so no one comes in the back, <laughs> comes in and looks at it and goes, "Who did this?" Yeah, um, but yeah. But overall, it was it was a good experience. I like using it. I think it's really great. I think it's moving in the right direction. Um, I definitely like the way it's organized better uh, in terms of the dialogues and the features and the things you can do. Um, I wish 
I, I wish it wasn't so kind of dialogue-y, clicky, but I don't know if there's a, a good way of avoiding it. Um, like whenever you're you're creating a new, let's say you're you're doing a new query and you need to assign it to a variable, then you have to do this, create a new resource and do all that kind of stuff. It'd be nice if it was a little more inline than doing all these new dialogues, but it's fine. Not a big deal. It's doable. Yep. But yeah. That's my experience with flows cool. and the new flow designer. Yeah, I haven't I haven't seen it other than I saw it on your screen, but I don't know. Um, flow is pretty interesting. I mean, I can I the, the, you know what the funny thing is about flow is, and I and I just don't work with it that much. But I guarantee you, my biggest problem with it probably would be the metadata story for flow. Yeah. Oh, fact that it is. Flow is one of these that it wears its all of its versions are actually metadata. They're not like. It's, you don't version them like in like with Git or something. They're just always in the source code. Yeah, every version. Imagine imagine that. Well, I had imagine to... that with programming in in like you know with modern version control. Let's you know say Git because that's right. That's what everyone uses. If every version was a new file on your hard drive, it's just nuts. It's absolutely nuts. It makes deployment a disaster, and DX doesn't do anything to fix it that I know of. That's my problem with Flow. I'm like, well, the, I'm the just versions, like, no, no Flow. We're not using Flow in this org. Don't each, even, don't even think about it. Each one of your versions still maintains a dependency, so the dependency <laughs> checker spans oh, the God. versions. Yeah. Uh, case in point, I had deleted a field because I didn't need it anymore, and I created a new version of the Flow that was was referencing that field. Didn't think anything of it. Couldn't delete the field, and of course, it sends you back to that same Flow, and you're like, I deleted this. Yeah. I took this out of my Flow on the active current one, and then I realized, oh. It was in the previous version. Luckily, it wasn't in previous versions, meaning I didn't have to go back and edit a bunch of older versions to mm, clear it. Yeah, it was just on the previous one that I that I had done. Um, so I just I just went ahead and deleted that, and I have the most current version, and that solved it. But yeah, that was kind of crazy. It is crazy. It's nuts. And I'm sure there's plenty of people who have been dealing with this because I don't normally do a lot of flows. I just happen to be doing this one. But um, who are like, yeah, I mean, well, what if, welcome to our it's world. Just so weird. Like, what if every version of a workflow is just like, oh. John's workflow dot one, John's workflow dot two, John's workflow dot three, John's mm-hmm. workflow dot four. And then yeah, it's just like, what do you deploy? How do you even manage that? I mean, the most current one. Can you? Can, <laughs> I wonder. If you, can you just do that? Can you? Can you deploy just the most current one? No, because the most current one could be one that's not active. You have to activate the version that you want to use. So you could technically have version one and then two and three, and which three being the newest one, and you could have one being the active one. And then, and of course, back back to source control. I mean, that actually wreaks havoc on your source control system because it, it doesn't know that these are different versions of the same thing. Like, no version control in the system knows that. Mm. Yeah. And so you really can't track versions. You can't do, you know, like, get blame or any, any of the tools for version control. It, that got, completely breaks the model. Well, it's a tough problem for them to solve. I mean, I think it... They're doing their best they can in at least updating the UI and making it a little more modern. Yeah. Um, well, but, but they're stuck with they're stuck with the data architecture because what are they going to do? Have some kind of migrate? Which maybe they eventually will have some kind of system to migrate it over to something much more. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't see why they. I mean, they could. I mean, yeah, that would be a big change on how people would manage that. But it would be a huge change for the good. And also, they could just do it on whatever. The, what's the next version of the API? You know. Um, if you if you opt into the new to using the new version of the metadata API, you get, you also are opting into any changes that represents, right? And so that's a normal thing with code management in Salesforce is when you roll to the new version of the API of the metadata API, what you then need to do is actually just do a full pull of all your stuff out of Salesforce down to your local file system, because Salesforce will give you the 
whatever that new version, whatever the whatever the metadata looks like that represents that. Right. Which is also why Salesforce needs to solve that problem of how do I what if I, how, why does the command just like pull all my metadata down? <laughs> it doesn't. It still doesn't exist. This blows my mind. You can get all the metadata. No, right? you can't. Well, no, okay, not. All in the sense that you're saying there is a get metadata command in in the CLI, but you're talking everything. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to say I don't want to specify. Oh, get this class, get that class. No, just give me all my metadata. Like let's say, let's say that's that's the use case. It's like okay, we're we're gonna upgrade from version 44 of the API to 45 of the API. On version 45 of the API, things are represented slightly differently. In mm-hmm. some cases, there's there's new types, and and the way that existing ones are represented have changed a little bit, and you can't. You just basically have to pull all those down from Salesforce to get the new representation of those in the new in the new version of the metadata API. Now, if you have, you have an existing existing package.xml that contains, and it really, I think the problem, main problem is with all these foldered things that you can't just say asterisk, mm-hmm. which I don't know why you can't. That that's I think that's the fundamental problem here. Like, it just it should be I don't know. This should be a solved problem. Someone should solve this. It would go so far to like fixing. A certain type of certain class of metadata, you know, problem. Yeah, no, I I get it. I I think I think with a lot of things, especially the asterisk command that that basically says get all. Uh, people people tend to default to that. Like if I if if people are doing a query in SQL, just do just get me all. I don't want to sit there and type all the field names. Just t- type all, even though I only need the no, ID. It's just like no, but you're. It's not just not really a very good analogy. I mean, imagine like if Git clone didn't clone the entire repository. It's like, oh well, which directories do you want? You have to name them. What? What are you talking about? Git clone. I, th- I just think from a resource management perspective, it's better to force people to tell me exactly what you want than just just to allow a default command that says get all. Because ninety percent of the time, people are lazy and in. Well, Who okay. cares? Give them all the metadata. It doesn't matter. Who cares? Okay, okay. I'm just saying from a. I'm just saying. Yeah, <laughs> that's a lot of metadata. Good. Salesforce is making a lot of money. They get a two thousand dollars per user. I mean, this this should be a solved problem. Computers are cheap. Computers are cheap. Bandwidth's cheap. It's all cheap nowadays. You know, there's no. I mean, I, I again, I appreciate you trying to defend Salesforce. But I'm just, I'm just trying to look at it from a, from a different perspective. I, I I mean I could see that. I mean I, I, how many how many queries in in an ORM do you see select all and just grabs everything when it should only be grabbing what it needs to use in that in that perspective. And all the overhead that that incurs in by an just ORM? Well, no when I when I look at like the first, uh, that was a bad example. Okay. I just meant in a query in an application that mm-hmm. uses queries yeah. and you'll you'll see select all everywhere because nobody wants to. Not only do they not want to define the fields, yeah. but they want to make it easier on themselves in case they want to change the data model. It just always returns everything. If they remove something or not, they're not having to modify their code. Yeah, I mean, so there's there's a lot of there's a lot of ways people try to gain efficiency or sure. or prevent something. Well, because by... yeah, you're making your computers work a little bit harder, but you're saving so much human time, which right. is a thousand times more expensive than computer time is. And just do you know as an example. Now, I think most ORMs don't do this. I know Hibernate doesn't. It actually it actually sends a long ass list of fields when you do a select. It, it knows what fields it wants and it queries those fields. And I think in many cases, it actually would be more efficient just to send an asterisk. Um, in some cases, yes. In other cases... Because, you know, the, yeah. query par- the query engine thing has to parse out all those fields you just passed it. And if you parse it, and validate. Yeah, exactly. And so that's a lot of work. So yeah. it probably would be cheaper, actually, just to send the asterisk. But more importantly, it'd be a million times cheaper in terms of paying for the computer time or paying for the person's time to maintain a field list. That's a good point. Anyway, uh, here... What is that? 
Well, why don't you read it? Puff, puff. <laughs> you have to actually say the words so people can hear you. Puff, puff, pass. Okay, now read it. Oh, Imperial Stout aged in bourbon barrel with marshmallow, vanilla, and coffee. Ooh, I'm looking forward to this one. So this is this part of this program that Prairie. Oh, it smells awesome. Yeah, that Prairie has. Um, where and I'm in there. I'm a I'm a Prairie dog, John. A D A W G. I will have you know. <laughs> uh, that's just their name for people that are their members of their. You know, you pay like. Don't, don't kick this one because this one will make a big well, mess. Drink it. Don't let it sit there for four hours. <laughs> Well, I don't want to leave this here either. What? Well, just set it down. It's empty. Then I'll kick it. Well, just set it next to your glass. Oh, now you're making an obstacle course. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, so as a part of their program, you know, like you, you pay your membership fees, which, which actually gets you a lot of beer as a part of that. You just get, but also it gets you access to this program. Oh, that's super sweet. Yeah. Oh. It gets you access to this program where you can actually have Prairie make you an entire barrel of your own beer. And a barrel is like, th- uh, well, these are whiskey. These are, okay, so first of all, you get to pick your barrel. Bur- you want a bourbon barrel, aged beer, a, what are the other options? Apple brandy barrel, or a, um, they have a brown ale aged in some other kind of beer, barrel, I forget. But anyway, if you want that, you can get it. The barrel is about four grand. It costs you for, you know, for f- that much worth of beer. But what they do is, so they, you know, they age the beer in the, in the barrel for like six months, and it's, it's an imperial stout, so this, it's all an imperial stout base, I think, except for that brown ale. Um, but you get to pick your adjuncts. What do you want added in? You want uh, cinnamon and chocolate and chilies, or do you want, what was this, marshmallow, Bacon. vanilla? I mean, there was, I mean, um, oh. you know, one of the best ones, this one, it was called, um, what was it, Na- Nanner, uh, Nilla Nanners or something like that? It's like a, basically like a, a vanilla... What's the, oh, no, vanilla I'm sorry. and nanners? No, no, no. The, um, <laughs> vanilla wafers? No, no. Banana pudding. What's it? Banana pie. Or banana, what's banana the, pudding has yeah, wafers banana and pudding. banana. Exactly. Banana the, pudding. The, so it had vanilla wafers and bananas and I think vanilla. And it was just as delicious. Luckily, I got a case of that because I was in on that barrel. I bought a share of that barrel. Yeah. If so if there was ever is, a dessert beer, that's a dessert beer. That's super sweet. Well, first of all, there are about 400. They've sold like, they sold like 400 of these barrels. Um, and, and most people go in, like you buy a share of a barrel, like maybe it mm-hmm. might be split into five or anything up, up to like 30. Um, but yeah, so this, I don't know. I don't know whose barrel this was. This was not my barrel. I, I think I traded for this bottle, one of mine for one of theirs or whatever. Or it could be a breakfast beer. I guess. Pancakes, I mean, certainly, and, pancakes and bacon would go well. It's certainly got this. enough calories to get you through the day. Because yeah. <laughs> it's, I think, what are these, 14%? Oh, wow. You're trying yep. to kill me here. Anyway, well, let's talk about people who don't understand Salesforce development. I've <laughs> been <So, laughs> realizing, like, you know, there's just this problem where people don't understand how packages work and namespaces. And the, ne- the, the new chapter in the story is not understanding, um, oh, what does Salesforce call them? Not, not dependent packages, package extensions, I think, where you say, hey, I've got my managed package, but I want it to be able to have visibility to this other managed package. So right. you kind of have to extend that package, right? And when you do that, you get, you get actually, you get access, you get visibility, right, to that package. And this continues on where, like, I was telling you how, like, they, there's all throughout the code, there's, there are, there's, like... The comments? Yes, with the, for the namespace. Yeah. Well, same thing for the package that is being extended. 
But there's I also comments found, for that. Yeah, but I also found I don't know why I hadn't discovered this before, but there's this um, there's this uh, you, you know kind of utility script directory full of lots and <coughs> lots of Windows CMD files. So because what ha- what happens is when if you want to um, let's say you you've got you know your local file system and it's got it's got all these namespace comments, mm-hmm. but when you push that up to or I guess when you deploy that, you want to it you, it it replaces all those with um, with an actual with a, with an, a namespace. So there's all these bat, but essentially batch scripts Windows batch, which I can't run that go and, and replace you know tens of thousands of references. So you want you want to check out from Git. There's a script you have to run for that. You want to push from your hard drive to the to the developer org or the package org. There's a there's a script for that. There's like all these scripts that really? do all this crap. <clears throat> and they even, it's funny because like you have to have, I mean, I just noticed like you have to have like WinMerge installed and it just, it just assumes that you've got like WinMerge installed at like C colon slash program file slash WinMerge or something and WinMerge.exe or whatever. And it's like, oh my God, this is, this is a disaster. And all because someone didn't understand what they were doing. And they were just like, they were just getting the job done the best way they knew how, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, oh my god! I, you know, so I'm like, every time I peel the onion back, I'm like, okay, no, I need to stop what I'm doing and fix this. And then I start fixing it, and I peel the next layer back. I'm like, oh wait, I got to stop that and fix this. <laughs> I'm still on like, I'm still on my first issue. I'm trying to fix and check in, and I just keep, I keep finding more layers of this thing that <clears throat> are just like total WTF moments. Yeah. Speaking of layers, I mean, I, I ran across something recently that I was having, having to help troubleshoot, and it was. Uh, the layers were made up of batch jobs. So there was at least five, maybe four batch jobs that were chained all together. So you would have one batch job that would call itself or that would, that would run. Can you do that nowadays? Chain. <clears throat> can you do that nowadays? You can chain. Okay. Because I, 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 I know some of the stuff's changed, like what things can chain and what things can't chain. Yeah, I don't know. Either way, I understand why they did it and yeah. what they were trying to do because they were, they were making a bunch of um, callouts to an external web service. And ultimately what in the code was fine. I mean, it obviously there's better ways to do it than, than what at the time this code was written. Um, but the ultimate culprit was the fact that the web service either wasn't, wasn't scaling properly and it wasn't performing as well, or it just, that's, that's the only thing I think of because all of a sudden I started, once we finally got it to start running and understood how it was running, we were getting um, timeout issues or, um, call out limit issues on the timing. Yeah. So you get a max of what, two minutes to run your call outs. That's if, it, if a transaction hasn't started. Yeah. Well, it's cumulative. It's cumulative for the transaction. So if you run 10 calls and each one takes 10 seconds, that's what a hundred seconds. Yeah. I so. still think that Salesforce doesn't let you do that in an, I'm, I'm talking about an actual database transaction, which yeah. is why yeah. like if you like uh, do some DML before mm-hmm. you do the call out, you basically Right. Salesforce is going to close it. It's going to it's going to actually terminate. The, it's going to commit the transaction. But if and then if you try to do some DML after that, it, that's when you get the exception that hey you you can't do that. Yeah, <laughs> so we closed your we ended your we ended your transaction already <laughs> because you did a call out. Yeah, and that that was also part of it. That's part of the reason why it did it chained because you had to make one call to the service to get a certain amount of information. Then once you had that information, you had to make another call to the service to get other information, and you had five different calls you had to make. And but each with each call you had to report back DML. Now you probably could have 
done it differently where you kind of started caching that information and build up a, a, a email transaction, which probably would have been the better way to do it. The problem with some <clears> stuff <throat> like that, though, is you really want to treat that whole thing like a transaction, especially like this service you're calling. If it's doing like, um, uh, like non-item potent, mm-hmm. like if it's actually changing things on this and these API, API calls you're making, the problem is like, what if you do all those? You're building up this kind of like state, right? right. And then you're going to you do some DML in Salesforce to like write that to a disk or whatever you're going to do. What if that fails? Yeah. Well, you can't, you, you can't, can't roll this transaction. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because, you know, and I don't, I mean, I know there's just some WS Death Star garbage that, you know, Don Box created that probably tries to do like distributed transactions across web services and all that. Um, but Salesforce doesn't even try to, and I don't blame them. They don't even try to get into that. It's, yeah. they should, you just shouldn't. So yeah, you got to be careful on that stuff because you can't really roll that back. You can't, yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, I I understood what it was trying to do and why it was trying to do it. Um, but it was kind of tough to read back and understand. It's a, it's just, it's just one of those things where when you wrote it, you probably understood it. Not that I wrote this, but when you wrote it, you probably understood it. But having to look back at it is just it's just tough to yeah, understand. Yeah. And I got to be honest, if it wasn't for Illuminate Cloud and the the ability to kind of inspect the code and say where is the usage on this. Oh my it gosh. would have taken me 10 so, times longer. Because the guy I was helping out was using Eclipse, and he didn't have any of those kind of tools. Really? I mean, is he it that prob- bad still? I think it's still that yeah. bad. I don't, yeah. it, doesn't inst- it, it basically treats your, your, well, it's been a while since I've used Eclipse. Maybe the later versions did this. But when I was using Eclipse, it was really unaware of, of Salesforce. It basically overlaid Java syntax on, yeah. on the code, yeah. and it didn't really understand the code. So you really couldn't inspect it. You couldn't do the normal things you would do with most IDs, like, okay, where is this used? Or, you know, all those kind of things. And maybe some of these other tools nowadays, you know, VS Code or the Welkins or whatever, are, are good at that. I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, requisite shout-out to Scott Wells and, and Illuminated Cloud because um, I do this. This is a common thing I have to do where I get brought into a, a client with a, in this, you know, recent situations, you know, um, I th- I, I'm thinking the in the six figures lines of code mm-hmm. and a lot of it's garbage, poorly written. I mean, things are named that things that they, that they're actually not um, methods are named things that they don't actually do. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's just, it's just, it's a mess. And if it was, if it weren't for, yeah, be able to like command B to, to drill down to references. And then, and then, you know, we really got to learn that command bracket what are the square brackets forward and mm-hmm. backwards because you can then jump back to like right. all the places you were i mean just getting good with all those i mean you can really navigate and i learned all that stuff you know through doing java projects but when i discovered illuminated cloud i realized that like he's implementing those same ide actions and features for like apex and visual force and lightning and all this stuff and it's and it works you know i'm doing I'm doing it with Lightning Component as well, and it really, I mean, it's pretty good. I mean, it, it actually navigates through the JavaScript, and it kind of, it usually is pretty good about jumping to the right controller, the right helper. Sometimes I get, it pops up with a list of like, oh, well, which Git data method do you want? Because it's in these different JavaScript files. Yeah. And I think that's just because it, uh, there's probably no true deterministic way to know which one even to, to show you because it's JavaScript. Yeah. Again, benefits of static languages, you don't have that problem. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's really nice, and it's, it, definitely pays massive dividends to learn some of those key shortcuts because I'd be lost without it. There'd be no way that I'd be able to learn this code base the, the, at the, the way I'm able to learn it in a, yeah. in a fairly, fairly short amount of time. 
Yeah, I really enjoy it when I'm writing it, but I really enjoy it when I have to troubleshoot something I did not write because it, it does make it that much easier to kind of follow the code or at least read it and be able to jump to a point that I that I need to figure out what it's doing in that method or, or that class and just kind of make some sense out of it. Yep. Um, so I have a, a question. I feel like this is kind of a perennial question, and I like to ask it, you know, every so often just to see what the modern day answer is. And it was asked me just the other day by a, um, I would say like a, someone who's like, imagine like a really good admin or like a Salesforce consultant. Mm-hmm. And it says, you know, we're, we're doing really good at making sure we do all of our work in sandbox. Um, so, you know, working on an existing Salesforce org, we don't want to make these config changes in, in, in production because it's an existing org. So we, we're making them in the sandbox and we're, you know, have a good test process and all that kind of stuff. But we just still don't have a good way to get that, those changes back into production. What is, what is the answer when someone says, well, how do we, what is a good way to get these back into production? There still isn't a perfect answer to that. There's a combination. Uh, usually the typical answer is field sets. Try to, try to do as much as you can with field sets. Do you mean change sets? Chain sets. Yes, I meant chain sets. Okay. <laughs> I've been asked this question, and, and, and I've also been asked if... So chain as- sets are pretty much hot garbage. <clears throat> so, so the next one that ends up coming up is, is Salesforce DX, obviously. Um, these, these are not... not no, not going to... I mean, whether, regardless of how suitable DX is for the job, these people can't use it. No, I know. Okay, that's no. what I'm, I just wanted to yeah. make that clear. That's a, these aren't necessarily developers. <clears throat> and I'm not going to try to teach them Git. Well, I've, I've, tr- I've made those mistakes before. And that's all, what, all they'll do is trash your repository. And that's what I mean. I oh, mean, I checked in on 145 meg zip file 87,000 times. <laughs> the, the story for deployments is, is still very iffy. I mean, for those of us that are a little more skilled and technical, DX is a little bit better and we can do a little bit more with it. Chain sets are still the best way for, for, for the point and click admins or even, even myself as a developer. Uh, mainly no, no, because it's, it's not because I mean the problem uh, there's many problems with with change sets. No, I but, agree. But the main one is that it's not tracking what you do. There's no way to there's no way to know. Did I get everything in the change set that I need? No, and the there, only way is to de- to deploy it and see if it deploys. And ever bit if it does deploy, that's still not proof you got everything in there. Well, so everything that you went through QA, <laughs> no, listen to me. Everything that you just went through a, a good QA process on, <clears> and right people solved off on, so, signed off on. You don't know if that's what you just deployed into production. Right, but so here's the tip that I'll give. So a really smart colleague of mine is the one that, that introduced this very obvious concept to me, and that is that we treated chain sets as our change log, where you would normally have some spreadsheet or some document somewhere that was your change log. We would have a config chain set and a development chain set for a certain feature or module that we're building or whatever we are in the phase. And so anytime, it was a rule, anytime we made a change to the system, we immediately went and logged that into the chain set. And so we started collecting these changes. And, it's so just, it was a, that's, and that's almost like, that's all you can do really, right? That is all you can but do. But it's still not it's acceptable. Be, it's, it's, better not acceptable. Than, it's better than logging it somewhere else. And however, there, there, was, there was exceptions to it where there was something like we couldn't really do in a chain set, but we had to do manually. So we did have a lo- another log for that kind of stuff. But at the very least, we at least were, if you have the discipline, you know you're at least capturing the changes that you need to make, and you can deploy your config first. That was another thing. You can't do it all in one. We started out doing, here's our chain set for this module, and here's all the config, and here's all the dev. There's some order of operation stuff that was messing with us, so we got to the point where we're like, okay, here's our config chain set, and here's our dev chain set. And so anything I built was in the dev, and anything they configured was in the config. 
so that we can deploy the config first and then the dev second. That even doesn't work because a lot of times there's dev that uh, there's config that depends on dev stuff. Can refer to what you would call dev stuff. Yeah, we didn't have that that situation, okay. but yeah, you're right. It could, it could, but uh, it, it it's a tip. It's something that kind of kind of can make it easier. You're gonna have to maintain a change a change log one way or another. So why not just tip, let John? the system do it? I like, uh, your, I, I like your tip. I, I always give good tips, right? <laughs> That's what all the uh, waiters and waitresses say about you. I do. Um, yeah, and so I will say one way that I've solved this in the past on on bigger projects where you've got <clears throat> you know multiple multiple developers um, and people also doing admin type stuff. Mm-hmm. And the way I've done it is the the admin, like someone who's doing like a lot of admin stuff, and this potentially could be more than one person, which maybe so each one each other one have their sandbox. But let's just say you've got one person that's doing a lot of config stuff. They're not a developer, um, but they are good at config and they're doing all this config stuff, right? They're creating mm-hmm. fields and layouts, and you know they're you know uh, all the security stuff, permission sets, profiles, which also really should be tracked as part of your source control. It's really important. You know, you want to make sure that people that the that the right restrictions are in place on what people can do. You test that in QA. If you if you're if you're making all your profile and permission ch- changes in in production, then all that test is out the window. Yeah. Yep. Um, and and they are they present quite a challenge. Also, actually, profiles do. And I really all the security stuff. It's it's almost as bad of a model as the as the um, what were we talking about earlier? Um, flows mm-hmm. and maybe even worse. Anyway, um, what I've done is I, I'll create a sandbox just for to do config this config type work in, and I'll have a I'll have a branch in Git, and so I'll again I'll do a I'll check out all metadata. Mm-hmm. I got to need all of it, okay, and then I will commit that in the repository. And then when they've made if they made some of their config changes, I'll then do another pull pull all, give me all the metadata. And I, and again I, this is, it goes back to why this is important. I don't know what they changed. I don't know what they did. I need to pull right. all the metadata down so I can get that on a disk and then do a git diff and see what they did and then commit that and then push that up. So then all the devs can then say, oh, I'm going to fetch that and I'm going to merge that in and I'm going to get their config changes and now I can do development around their config changes. Yeah. That's the only way I know to do it. I mean, that's the best way I know how to do it. Yeah, that's been, that's been my recommendation. I, I think when people ask, you know, we want to start doing version, version control, uh, one of the things I say is that you're going to have to have one person who, who at least manages that and is responsible for keeping the repository up to date. There's no way you're. You could probably train an admin to do Git and all. No, and, no, no, and all that try. kind of stuff. I've but tried. it's not. It's, it's, no, because the problem yeah. with you know Git is not great. That's the problem. Yeah. I mean, and the biggest. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Git. I love its crazy simplicity. Like everything's folders and files. Mm-hmm. And once you understand how it works, it's there's a beauty to its simplicity. But also, it's it's UI, so to speak, sucks. Well, there is no UI. I mean, well, no. I mean, the that's not true. I mean the. The command line UI is a user interface. It's an interface. It's a command line interface, but it's that is the user's interface to. to yeah, get. but you're, you're taking someone who's used to visuals and, and oh, no. forcing them to read command lines. And granted, there are there are some pretty great third party visual tools for Git. Yeah, and some really nice ones. But it doesn't it doesn't save you from the fact that you really need to understand what you're doing with Git. You really need to understand. Well, you have to understand the metadata first of all. It, once to, understanding Git is boom, one thing, but exactly understanding right. the metadata exactly. is a whole different beast. And, and exactly, and you need to you got to understand both. Yeah. You know, and it takes it takes a even if you're using a great GUI tool, it takes a long time to get good with Git. Yeah, I'm not good with Git. Wow, Git good with Git. Wow, I'm go. not good with Git at all. I I don't have things because mem- I'm not a regular user. I I do my local Git. 
my local Git version control, but I don't I don't do branches consistently. I don't do all those oh, kind of merge. I don't do I'm branch merges yeah. consistently. I don't do any of that. So if someone asked me to sit down and and download from this branch and merge it to this or download this this repository and down and merge it with this branch and then deploy it to this other branch, I'd be clueless. Because it's just not part of my daily yeah. routine. I do it just because for my own personal needs locally. But See, I, get- I, I do branch, and I, I should say, I don't do, um, I'm not a big fan of long running. Like, I don't like feature branches and things like mm-hmm. that, especially nowadays. I just like continuous development and, and um, um, feature flags, or feature, mm-hmm. yeah, feature flags. Uh, brand, long, long, long live branches are, are bad juju. Don't do them. Um, but I do use uh, short lived branches all the time in my local development. They don't ever get pushed anywhere, it, mm-hmm. it all stays local. Just for me, because I'll need to be like, ah, oh, crap, I got to fix this bug. I mean, just, I mean, we create a branch, do some commits on that, on what I was working on, and then go back to master, fix this thing, commit it on master, and then I'll merge that back into my, my funky little local branches. I know. I'm glazing over. Yep. <laughs> no, I, I, be, yeah, because it, it's foreign to me to, to have to do all that. And, and I'll, I'll tell you, I mean, I've looked at these, these tools that supposedly, oh, we're going to, we'll solve all of your, just buy our service, our expensive service. We'll solve, nope, you're not, you're not, you're actually not solving my problems. Mm-mm. You may be solving some people's problems that don't do branches, that don't have complex stuff, that just want a way to like, I mean, I don't know. They just, they don't solve some of these things. Yeah. And I don't think they can is the other problem. Anyway, I mean, these are just things that Salesforce has to solve, a lot of these. But at least there's attention on it and we're getting, we're getting there with DX and I'm sure with with the APIs the way they are, there'll eventually be some kind of UI on built on top of it, whether it's third party or Salesforce themselves, that will build a leverage. I think that's one of the advantages of, of a command line interface is once you have the APIs. Are you doing another one? Yep. I'm gonna have to take a break. I gotta go. What do you where do you have to go? To the bathroom. <laughs> oh my gosh, are you serious? I'm serious. You're supposed to go before we start recording. I did. Now I have to go again. Well let's just wrap, we take up, a let's wrap up the show then. All right, let's let's wrap up so I can go go. So I can go, for like go. Five minutes. You wanna talk about um this gearbox, I see you added the gearbox thing. I did. I Pretty couldn't help it. It's local. Awesome. It's local news and, for us. And do you know him? I, I can't remember. I don't know him. Okay. But, yeah, so I know him. But it sounds like a sleaze. <laughs> so we have, um, is yeah, he? so gearbox is here in Frisco. Yeah. They're in Frisco Square. Although a lot of the reports mistakenly said Plano. Oh, they used to be in Plano. Oh, okay. They moved to Frisco a couple of years ago. They're in, you know, they own, his. the guy's wife owns those Nerdvana, mm-hmm. like the Nerdvana coffee shop and the yeah. restaurant. But the, yeah, they have like three three floors, and they're they're really it's decked out. It's super awesome. I haven't been in. I keep I need to ask Randy for a tour, but I don't know, I don't, ever, don't ever get a chance. I don't want to be awkward. I mean, I don't. I'm like we're not friends, but like I know him, you know, and I see him. Like we were at uh, the sushi. Um, what's it called? Um, Saki Toro. Mm-hmm. They're in Frisco Square. The other a couple weeks ago, and you know he he walked in. I'm like, hey, Randy, how's it going? He's like, hey, man, you know. So I mean. <laughs> Hey Randy, what we're, kind of, we're like that. What, hey Randy, what kind of porn are you into these I days? <laughs> so, so he had this problem that was in the news like a few months ago that they're like basically his he and his wife's personal assistant. He, he worked for the company, but he uh-huh. was like their personal assistant. Ended up stealing like millions of dollars from them over over like the course of a year. Yeah, I remember that. And then and then now this happens, and this is like their former. So their former they have a suits lawsuits and counter lawsuits with their former lawyer, the, right. the general counsel of, of Gearbox Software. Yep. And part of it is he accidentally left a USB stick at medieval times, which for people who don't know what that is, it's like this, it's like an, it's like an indoor rodeo type of thing, but it's like all this medieval stuff and there's like a jousting show and it's, you know, you go, it's probably a couple hours and they serve you like, you know, this mm-hmm. medieval type dinner. It's just, just it's just go, roasted just chicken. Go watch Cable Guy and you'll see medieval times. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, <laughs> so he somehow another dropped or left a USB stick there that was full of, not only was it just porn, 
but I saw that it was they've had some you know some some illegal porn basically. No, no, that's not. Is that not the case? No, that's uh, well, no, that's not the case. It was supposed to. It's supposedly barely eighteen stuff, so it was apparently legal stuff, but whatever. Oh, so it's barely. Oh, it's the, barely legal. The it's bigger what we, we issue. The bigger issue is on this flash drive. He had sensitive com- company confidential yeah. stuff on there, like Al- along with his porn. Yeah, doesn't he know not to cross the streams? <laughs> who, who, in this day and age, who puts that on a USB stick? As someone who doesn't know computers very well, who just is a CEO of a company and lets everyone else do the actual work. I guess games games are are code. The games are development. Well, I just, and a lot of these, like, I mean, I feel like game companies are some of the most paranoid in the world, even more so than banks sometimes. And I wouldn't be surprised if they have a. I, I, I guarantee you, there's a lot of like kind of work pods there that are air gapped from the internet. I would imagine so. Oh, yeah. And and no one and you gotta be. I'm, I'm sure when you walk in another, you get you get scanned. Nothing. No technology comes in. No technology leaves. Leaves. I mean, because there's. It's not even just the accidental stuff. It's also the espionage. Yeah. It's, it's a huge problem. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a really big competitive So maybe industry. that's why There's, he has it on a USB stick. You know, it's like he can't have it anywhere else. But also, don't be a dummy and leave it at medieval times. I, I just, I don't get it. I, I, I'm I don't get it why here, you would have it on an unsecure USB stick. At least have a, have a, have a biometric th- uh, USB so or something. So here's my concern about this. With all this bad news that they've had, I mean, yeah. I, hope, I hope their company's not in trouble. I mean... Because they're important to Frisco. I mean, there's they employ a few hundred people, but also, I mean, they you know they've they're just a big part of this community now. I mean, Frisco's like grown a ton, but it still it still has that small town feel, and they're still like an important part. Still has a small town feel. You got freaking Six Flags over Jerry Jones <laughs> over Jerry over World. Yeah, I know. Jerry World. That's what it is. Well, did you? So nothing. This this is actually this is hot off the press. This happened last night at the Frisco City Council meeting. Um, Craig Hall, who owns this whole park here we're in, got his plan development change approved. And so they're gonna. There's gonna be a, uh, a condo high rise right over here, and I'll show you the plans for it. But I mean, you wouldn't believe the stuff. So these parking lots out here are gonna get completely plowed, or plowed under, and they're gonna build buildings. <clears throat> really? Yep. And and really all along like this internet. It's literally called Internet Boulevard. <laughs> that goes around like the whole back of the thing, all the way up to in the in the Jerry World over there. Mm-hmm. Um, on the inside of that loop. Where there's fields and and surface parking is all going to get plowed under. That's all going to be buildings too. I should hit them up and tell them that we need a podcast studio. But they're also going to. I know. Well, we have one. <laughs> no, like a really nice. There's a there's a nice studio in this in this in one of these newer buildings right over here. It's, it's a radio station. But I uh, I was popped up the other day and I, I couldn't. The, I could, the station manager wasn't there. But I was going to ask. I was like, hey, can you know like when you just when you guys like have just. The time when you're not using your studio, like can we can we record in here? <laughs> I don't know why, <laughs> but yeah, I couldn't. The, the manager wasn't there. Oh, well, that would work. Yeah. All yeah. right. Well, my eyes um, are swimming. Your eyes are swimming. Okay, I gotta go. All right, well, we've got through about half of our stuff. It's not too bad. <laughs> I wouldn't have anything important to talk about today anyway. It was yeah. just one of these. Uh, it was a filler, a filler episode, John. That's right. Do it we is. have those? Is that is that um, you know, the question is always like, should you just like not record? If you don't have anything profound to talk about, or do you record just to you know keep the cadence and and just keep connected with the community and people you know people expect their episode every week. I don't know. Filler episodes are good. Yeah, let's hey write write us and let us know info at gooddaysirpodcast.com. <laughs> and if you have any questions for us, or if you have feedback, or if there's something you want to talk about on the air on the air, so to speak, as it were. <laughs> I learned that this way you supposed to say as it were, John. As it were makes you sound smart. Nice. Uh, yeah, shoot us an email, info at gooddaysforpodcast.com. We love getting emails. We also have a Slack uh, team, 
that you can join if you're not in. And if you're listening to this and you're not in, you probably should probably should hit us up. Uh, go to gooddaystarpodcast.com, click on community, and just put your email address in, and John will add you to our um, advertiser spam lists. Mm-hmm. No, I'm just kidding. We don't even have those. All the spams? Yep. Um, no, he'll add you to the Slack, and uh, we... You can f- you can follow along live. We have a live channel where you can listen to the stream live. We're doing that now. I guess we're going to keep doing that because it's set up already and it turns out it's pretty easy. Even on a day to act today when <laughs> there's like well, just about, about two of us here. Just vamp for an hour. Yeah. So what else, John? Uh, you know, leave us a review. We love reviews. It helps. Uh, it helps. Uh, I don't know. It helps something. I don't know what. Podcast people say that. <laughs> Whatever. What else, John? <clears throat> Nothing because I got to go. Subscribe. That's I gotta thing. go. Like, don't just download. Uh, if you, that down, it's fine if you just download. I swear you're extending this. Or you're just, listening just, on the web, but also like get your phone and subscribe on your podcast app, and also get your wife's phone, your husband's phone, your kid's phone, and subscribe on all those. <laughs> you know what? Good day, sir. <laughs> you get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir.